Praise the Lord, everyone. Just another day in the life of an old man. Turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 17, and I will begin reading in verse 1. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. We better for him that a millstone will hang about his neck and he cast in the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to thyself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent. Thou shalt forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamore tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it would obey you. But which of you having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, by and by, when he come in from the field, go and sit down to meet. And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he think that servant, because he did the things which were commanded him? I don't think so, would be a modern translation. I throw not. So likewise, ye, when you have done all these things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. For a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you about how will you handle offense. The Lord bless you may be seated. Before I begin today, let me say what a great honor it is to be home. Uh, there's just no place like home. It's good to be with the family of God and with family. And uh, I want to thank all of you that honored me yesterday. I, I, I am humbled. Um, it's just an honor to be part of such a wonderful body that love and support one another. We live in a world today that has changed a lot of the principles we have lived by. There was a time when we were considerate of our neighbor. There were times when we would look out for our neighbors. I remember as a child growing up on a short little street called Corwin, Five houses on either side of the street, if I remember correctly. Two vacant lots. Um, the neighbors had just as much of a privilege of correcting me as mom and dad did. I remember mom and dad telling neighbors on a regular occasion, if he misbehaves and you see it, you have the right to take care of him. And they did. We were in and out of their homes. 
we connected to them. We knew them all by name. They, they were like one big family, and we, we were just neighbors. Because of our offenses and hurts, we have become isolated. The first thing that happens to an injured person is to turn inward. The moment offense takes place, it is a natural reaction to try to protect self and to keep self from hurting any more than you hurt at that moment. And so it is natural for you and I to start protecting ourselves and, and building walls around ourselves so that nobody else can hurt us. The problem with that is the first day that I am not vulnerable is the day my life takes a turn where I will live in a prison for the rest of my life. God did not design us to be uh, checking everybody out and trying to figure out what everybody's doing. God don't want us to be judges. My book emphatically says, judge not least, lest you be judged. God never give any of us permission to assume the throne of a judge and start judging people's lives. Why? Because however you judge, it'll come back to you. There'll be a time in your life you'll be judged by the same standard you judge by. I remember one of the things that, that the elder in my life said to me repeatedly and, and he taught us on a regular basis was that it's better to err on the side of mercy than it is the side of judgment. You can always correct mercy, but you can't correct judgment. That's not my world, though. See, my world has changed so drastically that it allows every one of us to become the most selfish, self-centered people that exist. My world has entitled me to only think about me and live my life for me. My world encourages me to be selfish and self-centered and demand my rights and de demand what I want. And in doing so, I... Uh, really cause things to happen in my life that will become extremely destructive if I continue to live in that vein. Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. He apparently taught this story or this teaching on a regular basis. And the disciples had a problem with what he was trying to say. They didn't understand his principle of if someone smites you on the right cheek, turn the other. That, that didn't compute in their mind that, that if, if you're offended, you better be careful how you respond because if you respond in the wrong way, it will put you into a lifestyle that it, it's difficult to get out of. I, I don't know that out of the years I have tried to help people and I've worked with people at, who've had horrible things happen in their lives. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody give up the need for revenge once wounded. It's the most difficult thing for all of us to turn loose of. When I get hurt, or things happen in my life that offend me. My human nature says, 
However heavy that load of pain is, something has to balance that ledger in my life so that my life is balanced. And my world teaches me that the way you balance the hurt of life is revenge. You've got to get even. You do me wrong, then you've got to pay for what you did to me. The fact is, though, you can't do anything to anybody to relieve hurt in your life. There is nothing you can do in life that will allow you to go into the past and change one item of the past. My world is trying to tell all of us that, that you got to have closure. And I've thought about that recently, and, and, and I hear what people say. I, I, I hear talk shows, and somebody starts talking about, well, you got to have closure life, and I'm thinking... How in the world do you get closure? Where's that door at you're trying to close? How do you get to it? Where's that time machine that allows you to slip into there and close that door? Doesn't exist, does it? See, our world is making issues of non-issues for a reason. As long as we stay messed up, they're justified in the way they live life. As long as... The children of God keep their problems and live in their problems and never get past their problems. It allows the world to be justified with all the junk they have because look at the church. They're no better than we are. They do the same things we do and we, we even make statements back. Well, you know, we're humans and so we justify selfishness and self-centeredness. We, we justify it. The disciples, when, when Jesus says this, the first thing they want is, we need some more faith here, Jesus. Just increase our faith. And Jesus says, it's not about faith. You don't need faith. If you had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you'd say that sycamore tree, go get in the sea, it would jump up and run and jump in the sea. Now, that's quite an exaggerated statement that Jesus made. But he's trying to make a point. You're trying to make a mountain out of something that's not a mountain. You're making issues out of non-issues. How do you change yesterday? How do you make yesterday better? How do you repair yesterday? How, how, how do you jump in to that uh, apparatus of, of whatever you're going to use that allows you to drift into the past and, and correct or repair or change one thing that's happened in yesterday. Not possible. See, the only thing you can do in life is to stand in your present and live today, not tomorrow. You can't live the past. You can't live the future. The only thing you have the power to live is today. I can't live yesterday. Yesterday is, is a, a statement of where I've been. Tomorrow is where I can go. But today is how I have to live life. And I can allow circumstances and problems to rob me of joy and happiness and contentment. My Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. In, that's positional. In refers to you jump in the swimming pool, you're in the water. If you're in the Holy Ghost, 
You better have righteousness. There should be peace in your life. And there should be joy in your life. If those three things are absent, you're not in the Holy Ghost. Now, there are some principles God has developed that He will not tolerate anybody violating. There are some things God let the world get by with, but He will not let His kids get by with. When the children of Israel lost the Ark of the Covenant and it wound up in the hands of the Philistines, they took the lid off of it. They took the pot out of it of manna. They took the rod out of it that had budded Aaron's rod that, that parted the sea. They, they took all of that out and placed in it golden mice. When Israel gets back the ark and, and somebody desires to find out what's inside and somebody pried the lid up, 52,000 of them died that day. God says, you know, you, you, the world can do this, but, but at my house, not going to happen. See, there are some things God just will not allow us to get by with. And there's a reason for it. God will not allow us to love the world. Any man that loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. God won't tolerate me loving my world and trying to love him at the same time. You can't serve two masters. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve the world. You can't serve one or both at the same. You gotta, you gotta make your choice who you serve today. God will never allow you and I to become judge. That's his role. Vengeance is Mine, saith the Lord. God doesn't tolerate human beings stepping into that role and trying to bring vengeance to life. But you know what? I'm watching these six little grandkids grow up around my house. And I'm discovering some things about life that's so interesting. See, I'm convinced the most powerful need you have in life has nothing to do with food, water, shelter, clothing. The most powerful need you have in life is to get even. And it doesn't matter what adult took care of the problem while you watched. When given an opportunity to settle the scores, you will settle the score. It doesn't matter if ten adults were involved in the problem. When you get the opportunity, you'll take it in your hands and you'll solve that problem. And that's what we're doing. Why? Because, folks, I don't think I'm 60. Because I can't see me. Now, Adriana quite often will say to me, Papa, you sure are old. And I say, look, that's not old. It, it, it's, it's not, it don't have all the spots on it. This is not old. Don't, don't tell me I'm old. I can't see old. Because you can't see you it's real simple to act like a two-year-old. It's real simple to revert the childish behavior and, and, and to scream and rant and rave and break things and throw things and tear things up. Adults don't do that. Adults are, can choose to disagree. I don't make fun of you because you drive a 
a Chrysler or a Ford or we, we don't make fun of vehicles. We, we, adults can choose to disagree. Children can't. You play by my rules or I take my marbles and go home. There's no agreement there. It's my rules. And I get to change them as we play. You know, go outside and watch six-year-olds play football and see how many times the rules are changed based upon who's got the ball. It's real easy. It's real easy to be a jerk, folks. It's, there's, there, there's nothing required for that to happen. Really, all you need to be a jerk is an opportunity. That's really all you need. It's just part of your nature. It's part of my nature. And, and if I'm not careful and I don't do something to, to control James, James can be a jerk just like you can be a jerk. It's, it's in our lives. It's just part of who we are. Jesus said, I will prophesy to you. It is impossible, but that offenses will come. What are you going to do with them when they happen? How are you going to handle them? Are you going to allow them to consume your life and to become the total focus of everything you do? Are you going to allow it to dominate your thoughts and your life and, and all of a sudden your life's trapped in some world that you think you cannot get out of? Aren't you better than that? Why would you choose to live there? Because your world says it's okay and they're going to tell you, you got a right to be offended here. You know what I'm discovering about humans? It's really hard for you to tell the truth. Really hard. Because you got his story, her story, and the correct story. And his story and her story usually don't match. They're not even close. He sees it one way, she sees it another, and, and where's the truth at? Well, the latest research is saying that memories are not actually photographs that are cast in concrete. You keep adjusting them as you live life. You can manipulate memories to make them what you want them to be, whether they're that or not. The moment you step into yesterday is the day you start trying to manipulate your life and to get a better outcome than what you got at that point. And you think because you're special that you ought to have the right to do this. Well, I have worked with some really special people, and they are special. But I can promise you they don't want to be the way they are. In a camp meeting in Cody, Wyoming, 10 or 11 years ago, I, I watched a little fella bring his wheelchair in the back of the auditorium, and, and he wheeled it down the center aisle to the very front row, and he parked his wheelchair right there by the front seat. And I, I watched that teenager as he would look around at his friends and just the movement of the head from side to side was incredibly difficult. And I, I, I watched that little fellow as he sat there and his, his buddy sat on the pew or down the chairs beside him and he'd watch what they were doing and then he'd try to imitate them. Occasionally he would force himself to a standing position so that he could stand where they stood and he'd try to clap the way they clapped, but his coordination didn't work. 
and I watched him for a whole week. Morning services, afternoon services, night services, always right there. District Secretary sitting beside me on the platform kept watching me and the last day he leaned over and he said, I've watched you, watched Anthony this whole week. You have, you have watched him because Anthony tried to participate and be part of service as much as anybody else. Anthony's special. He, he can't do what you do. He can't run. He can't jump. He can't clap his hands. He can't really worship the way you and I. He can't dance. He can't enjoy God like you and I do. I watched him that last night pull his wheelchair up. And he decided to get out of his wheelchair that night. He pushed himself up out of that chair and, and, and he eased himself over to the chair beside him. But in doing so, his face took on some, some, some really horrible distortions. It looked like he was in incredible pain as he moved his little body over to that chair. And, and the little kids all looked over, and when they saw his face take on this horrible expression, they all become frightful of him and begin to move and, and, and get away from him. And when he finally sat down there, he, he looked over at them, and, and, and you could see the hurt in him. The secretary said, Anthony doesn't have cerebral palsy. He wasn't born with a disease. Anthony's dad got drunk before he was born and beat his wife with a broomstick. And that's the result of that mother getting beaten by a drunken father. And Anthony just won't be normal. That's all he wanted, just to be normal. He won't be like everybody else. Anthony's special, but he won't be special. I'd watch him stagger across the, the, the outside of that university we're at in the afternoons, and he'd lurch his way from object to object, just trying to get to where all the other kids were at because he just wanted to stand and watch. His incredible desire was... Just to be normal. Be like them. But here we have allowed little things to get in our life that's so minor and, 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 and they eat at us. And we think we're special. I got a special need. I, I, you don't understand my problem. I can't tell you how many thousand times, and that's not an exaggeration, I've heard people say, but, but you don't understand my problems, Brother Hughes. You know what that says? My problems are different than anybody else's. And nobody in life has been affected like I am. But I want to point something out to you. Paul, writing to the church of the Hebrews, says, He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. There is nothing you have ever encountered in life that Jesus didn't encounter in his life. Ridiculed, mocked, made fun of, humiliated, disgraced. His family said he's losing his mind 
they said he's moonstruck. His own brothers and sisters began to look at him and, 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 and think of, that there's something wrong with him. And he simply said, if you have an enemy, here, here's, here's what you do with an enemy. You, you don't hit them. You don't kick them. You don't beat them. What do you do? We, we Christians have, us Americans have a real hard time with the Bible. We got a real problem with turn the other cheek. We got a real problem with praying for enemies. We got a real problem with loving those who despitefully use us. Because we're Americans and we got rights. And our First Amendment right says I don't have to tolerate nothing from nobody. And because we don't have to tolerate nothing from nobody, we have become as selfish and self-centered as the world we live in. Offense is going to happen. I will be offended, but how will I respond when the offense comes? What, what will I do with, with the offense that happens in my life? I can allow it to make me bitter. I can allow it to make me better. The difference is my choice. Whether I'm a better person or a bitter person is defined by my choices. Nobody controls that but you. There's not a person in the world can make you do one thing. I hear people say all the time, well, you know, she ought to meet my needs or he ought to meet my needs. Nobody can meet your needs. How can anybody crawl in your skin and know what you need? Where, where's that USB port where they can plug into your hard drive and download your data and figure out here's what his needs are? There's nobody going to meet your needs but you. God never intended for other people to meet the needs of your life. It's not possible. But my world's created this stupid illusion. Glad there are no kids here. I just said a bad word. We create this illusion that, that, that everything uh, is, is going to be solved. And there are some things in life you will never get an answer to. Can you live life without an answer? I don't understand that after six years of marriage and, and the doctor saying we couldn't have children. I don't understand how a pregnancy could happen and, and it was a miracle for it to happen and end in death. I don't understand that. I will never get an answer to that. But I will not allow it to make me bitter. I will not allow it to affect the way I live life. Painful? Incredibly painful. But it will not define who I am. Because I will not allow life to determine my responses. I will not allow people to determine how I respond in life. There's a better way to live life. My dad was offended so many times. Charles and I rode in a car one day for dad to collect some money from a man, very wealthy, a millionaire, owed him a lot of money. And dad went in to collect money and come out. And Charles said, you get the money, dad? And dad said, no, son. Charles said, what are you going to do about it? He said, son, if they can live with it, I can live without it. See, there's a better way to live life. 
and you're choosing. You're either going to allow this world to shape the way you think and you're going to become just like them. Your behavior will look like them. Your actions will look like them. Or you can choose to step into a new world that's defined by a new father and a new relationship. And I'm not part of this world. I'm just a stranger passing through. And I refuse to live my life based upon the way they believe or the way they think or the way they think things should happen. How will you handle it? Well, Jesus told us how to handle it. He said, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Oh, boy, well, that's, that's great. <laughs> Pardon me. Rebuke him. Isn't that comforting? Rebuke him. You sorry, worthless, no good you got a right. Jesus said you got a right to get in his face and tell him, you know what, you hurt me really, really bad. I just want you to know how bad you hurt me. So you think the Bible says you got a right to do that. Sitting right here, listening to him preach just a few weeks ago, I got a new Bible on my lap, on my iPad. And, and as he's reading that scripture, I touched that word rebuke. I don't know why he was interested. I, I've studied the Greek language. I know how to translate. I know all of it. But I never studied that passage of scripture. I was just so full of stuff. And, and, and you start studying something, forget something else. So I just reached over and touched that word. And immediately the Greek word pops up. And when it popped up, I, I couldn't believe what I saw. And so I, I, I started looking at it again. Wait, wait a minute. There's, there's a problem here. Surely that's not what it means. And so when I got home, I got all my text out. And, and I started comparing the text that I have to see if, if it's in the same in all the text. And it was. This is not a scripture that they have questions about its authenticity. All the texts agree. Rebuke him. The word is a compound word. It starts with a preposition, which is epi. And epi simply translates upon, on, before, by. It's speaking of position over. The second word is a verb. It's tameo, which has action to it. It's not an event or a thing. It's something you have to participate in. And timeo literally translates to create the value of, to discover the value of, or to reveal the value of. You understand what Jesus said? If he rebukes you or he offends you, your rebuke is to prove to him how valuable he is. You've got to put value up on or on or with or through. When I'm offended, Jesus said, that's why I didn't understand why the disciples had such a problem with it. And the moment I saw what the problem was, I started, God, this is not right. Surely this is not what you meant. When he offends me, I've got to take that opportunity to make him feel like he's the most valuable being that exists. Now, is that un-American or what? If my brother hurts me, 
He says, I'm giving you an opportunity to show him the diamond and not the old pair of shoes you're going to wear. What are you going to do with it? You're going to make him worthless or are you going to put him on like a pair of shoes and wear him? How are you going to handle that offense? Because when offended, God says, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do what I did to you at a cross. See, I could have called 10,000 angels to come and deliver me from that cross, but that wasn't my purpose. I wanted you to see that I was going to prove to you how valuable you were to me because I gave my life for you on a cross. And all I'm expecting you to do is to act like me. And when people do things that irritate you and hurt you or harm you or cause you damage in life, I'm giving you an opportunity to step into my world. You see, the only thing that has the ability to invade the past is forgiveness. Nothing else can transform time and space and deal with issues. Forgiveness is the only thing that allows you to step from the present to the past. You see, forgiveness allows you to go to a graveyard and sit on somebody's tombstone and tell them you forgive them for what they did to you, even though they're dead and buried because judgment hasn't happened yet. And until judgment takes place, you have the power to erase their offense from their life, and they're never judged by that offense. See, true forgiveness never happens until you can say, God, take your blood, go to their Lamb's book of life, erase this sin, never judge them for this act. If you haven't done that, you haven't forgiven because you're still holding on to the hope of revenge because you read the book. Vengeance is mine, says, Lord, I will repay. And the moment God gets even, you're going to applaud God. Oh, God's good. That's your humanity stepping forth. That's your flesh showing up. You want to be like him? You can transform time backwards with forgiveness. But it's the only thing that will go back there and race records that free people that are even in the grave. Jesus said, you don't believe what I'm saying? Read Matthew chapter 18. Some of you looking at me like, but you, there's no way you're right. Read the book. Matthew chapter 18 says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And the whole chapter is about forgiveness. It's not about some devil you're trying to bind. You don't need to bind the devil. He's already in chains. I don't know where we got that dumb idea from. Quit trying to bind the devil and start trying to bind you because you're the biggest devil you'll ever fight. What are you going to do with offense? How are you going to handle when offense comes? Life's going to wound you. Tony Anthony, he wasn't offended by those kids. I guess it happened to him so many times, he just took it as normal. And a little bit, they saw him smile, and they scooted over by him. After a while, he, he reached over and touched one of them, patted them, calmed them down. He's just trying to be like the rest of us that are normal. No. He, he lives in a different world than you and I. He lived with offense every day of his life, but he's never let his offense wreck his life.
Why would a drunken father beat his wife and injure a child that's not even born yet? Oh, he could have been bitter. He could have been full of anger and resentment and all those things. But he loved to worship God. One thing the beating didn't destroy was his voice. And he would sing at the top of his voice. What he had that he could use. And he just wanted to be normal. He didn't want to be special. My world said all of us can be special. You don't understand who hurt me and how they did it and what they did to me. Listen to me. It doesn't matter. There's no rewind button. You're not going to back it up and play it again. You're not going to change it. The only tool to deal with it is to forgive it, let it go, and get on with the rest of your life and become what God created you to be. God created you to be a treasure, not some broken vessel, but that's what you're becoming when you won't turn the junk loose. You're broke. But if you don't turn it loose, there is nothing your life cannot become. There's no place you can't go. There's nothing you can't experience. I have been incredibly blessed by God. I have no idea how God would look down on a boy raised in a very, very poor part of Wichita Falls and, and, and allow me to travel places I've been and, and participate in things I've participated to meet people that I would have no idea I could meet been invited to come to China by the government to participate in a program for autistic children. I have no idea how I could be honored to do that. But I think it has a lot to do with how I respond to life. And I refuse to allow bitterness, hurt, pain to define who I am. You're going to get past that stuff? How are you going to get through what you're dealing with? It's your choice today. You can walk away from this place whole, healed, and never tormented by another memory. I've taken people on a journey of forgiveness, and when they have gotten through, they have a smile, a glow comes on their face. And they've said many times, I, you, I can't explain to you how, how relieved I feel. How this, I, I can't believe that the burden's gone. your choice. Please stand. Would you bow your head for just a moment? Would you allow God, would you invite God into your heart? Would you ask Him to walk through the corridors of your heart and mind today? Would you ask Him he would take you by the hand and if he had walked with you through the hallways of your mind and take you to all of those compartments that you have locked up that you haven't got past but they define you because they make you angry and they cause all these emotions you deal with they're there every day that's because God never created you to store that data and keep it locked up the moment you do it contaminates the rest of your being he designed you to forgive it, release it, and when you do, your life's whole. Gracious Father, 
I want to thank you today for creating such an incredible place that is so safe. When I walk into your presence, I can totally become vulnerable. I can expose myself to you and allow you to see every fiber of my being, which you have always known. You'll never make me feel ashamed. I will never walk away with my head down and my face red because you shamed, embarrassed, or humiliated me. You create a place that I can come and open my heart and life to you and pour out sometimes bitterness, sometimes anger even at you that you allowed my life to get to this point. You're not offended by my confession. You're not offended by my accusation. You're not a offended my anger at even you you created such an incredibly safe place that if i will simply open my heart invite you in you can take me on a journey that journey can heal my heart and life forever god i pray today that your children would feel safe enough to open their hearts to you not be afraid would you allow healing virtue to flow among us right now? Would you touch a heart today that has maybe been hurt or wounded by life? Would you help today to bring healing? You promised us when you preached at home for the first time. You promised to heal the broken heart. God, I pray today that the brokenness of life would be healed. I pray today that your healing virtue would flow among us and that you would heal the hurts and wounds of life. Free your children to become the treasure you created them to be. Not bound by what life has taught. Memories of worthlessness and memories that say, I, I'm not ever going to be able to do anything right or accomplish anything. God, free them today to discover the treasure you made them to be. And show them the journey you'd like to take them on that will change their life forever. And you'll open doors in their lives <coughs> that they will not comprehend. Bless your children today in Jesus' name. Would you open your heart to him? The healer's in this house right now. I'm not going to ask you to move from where you are, right where you stand this morning. If you'll simply respond to what you feel right now, I promise you the healer will step into a life and you can walk away today with a life that's changed forever. It's your choice today.